This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes, while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. Go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide. Hello Serie A fan, Milan and Juve are off to a flyer, Parma attracts an American buyer, while Roma's new owner has a nightmare first week. Suarez speaks better Italian than Brad Pitt, but not by much, as Roma, Juve, Napoli and Atleti aim to swap strikers in a transfer merry-go-round deal. All that and more in this episode of Scudetto. Hello and welcome to Scudetto. Uh, so we've got so much to get through this evening. First round of games, load of insane transfer talk and uh, the Roma experience. Um, we're going to kick off with an apology from me. So I've spent the last six days in Lapland, enjoying the autumn colours, swimming in freezing cold lakes and eating reindeer tongue, uh, which is why we're coming to you a day late. However, there's been so much drama in the extra day. It's actually worked out to our advantage. So I'm not actually that sorry. <laughs> and um, I've just spent a nine-hour train ride back to Helsinki catching up on all of the on and off-field action. So plenty for us to discuss. Uh, but first, let's catch up with the rest of the squad over a nice cold civilized beer. So Kenny, how are you doing? And uh, what have you got to drink this evening? I'm good, Oscar. Yeah, I'm in London. Uh, I'm here on holiday, actually, uh, which is a bit strange for me. I'm used to going uh, on holiday away from London, uh, but uh, this, this is the first time I've been back on a, on a proper holiday since since moving away. And in honor of that, I have decided to go for a local London beer. I've gone for a Beer Town Neck Oil at Session IPA, which is my favorite beer in the world. And I don't really need to say much more about it than that. It's uh, it's awesome. Fantastic choice. Um, two breweries in the world, I believe. One of them, or both of them in Tottenham, one of them in N17. But yeah, we don't need to don't need to say any more. How about you, Buzz? How are you getting on? Hey, how's it going, guys? Yeah, good. What do you have to drink this evening? I'm drinking a dark matter black IPA today. It's uh, I've never had it before, so it seems quite nice so far. But uh, we'll see how it goes later on in the pod. Good stuff, and worth mentioning actually for our listeners that we are logging all of the beers that we try out on Untapped which is a, an app for uh, tracking and rating craft beers. Uh, so you can find us on there. I think it's at Scudetto Pod, isn't it, Baz? Yep. Uh, good stuff. And I've got, uh, you're going to like this one, Baz. It's a, a New England IPA. Or, no, sorry. It's, it's called a New England Leverman. And it's also brewed in Finland, following on from the California Pale Ale. <laughs> brewed, brewed in Finland last week. It's from a brewery called Olaf. Uh, it's got a pretty cool label, actually. It looks it looked kind of like um, an old school kind of medicine bottle. Yeah, I was gonna say I like the <laughs> bottle. It's kind of like a um, it's kind of like a stubby. Yeah, exactly. You don't, you don't see many stubbies in the, in the UK anyway. My wife picked it up for me. She said she just got it from the local shop. I've not seen any of these in the local shops. I don't know where she's been going, but it looks cool. So where to start this week, really? I, I guess I think we should start with Juve, 
who uh, demolished Sampdoria 3-0 in Pirlo's first game. Uh, Kenny, obviously early days. Uh, how excited do you think we ought to be about this Juventus team? Okay, uh, to start off with, uh, I think demolished is maybe a little bit harsh. I thought for for long spells of his game, Sampdoria were actually in it. Uh, the the scoreline uh, was yeah it was three nil, but uh, a couple of those goals came came later on, and Sampdoria actually in the second half created some some very de- decent chances. Having said that, um, I think there were a lot of question marks about Juve coming into this season under Pirlo, because obviously he's. Uh, never managed before and uh, nobody really knew what what to expect on this early evidence they look they look really really good they um yeah there there was a um, a sort of fluidity to their their attacks that perhaps was was lacking under Sarri last season uh, i know all of us were a little bit gutted to see Sarri go cuz we very much in, enjoy him being in and around uh, Serie A but they really, there was none of that sort of sluggishness to their their build up play that uh, was uh, often sort of reported on. And another another point to make is that yes, it was Pirlo's debut in the in the Juve bench, but there were also uh, other names who were making their first appearances for Juventus. And really, it was those new players who absolutely shone. Uh, for me, McKenney was man of the match. He was absolutely fantastic. Uh, Throwing himself into into tackles, fearless off the uh, fearless in tackles, fearless uh, on the ball, composed, uh, just like energy. It was just a great all round uh, midfield performance. Uh, and the other one, Kulusevski, who just uh, he had a very good game, but that that first goal was just absolute class. The way he guided that ball, I say guided. I mean, it had a fair amount of power behind it, but but yeah, uh, absolutely fantastic. Uh, Finish there, uh, and the other one, Ramsey, who seemed to be on his way out, um, who obviously was was there last season, but in and out of uh, Sarri's Juve. Uh, I mean, if if yesterday was an audition, then I would say that he uh, definitely has made it through to the next round, flying colours. Yeah, they look good. They look very good. Slightly, slightly uh, questionable sometimes at the back, but uh, very, a very, very good performance. Uh, and I, I might revisit in in the coming weeks my Inter prediction for uh, for. Champions this season, if uh, if we see much more like that from you there. Okay, so maybe a question at the back, very very strong in the middle, but it's no secret they're also looking for a backup striker. Uh, we recorded last week, and I think we said they're no longer looking to sign Edin Dzeko. Uh, we come a long way from then, to say the least. <laughs> the move was was back on. Yeah, back, I think it's back off again. They looked like they might be getting Suarez an Italian passport. More on that later, so that he could play for them. Uh, without occupying a non-EU slot. The latest is it looks like Alvaro Morata is going to be signing for them from Atletico Madrid. Now, I was speaking to Scudetto's uh, Madrid correspondent earlier today, a man called Hector, who is uh, in close proximity to the Calderon. We may get him on later in the season if there's a relevant time, but he said that it's well known there's been a lot of tension between Morata and Simeone. Specifically, Morata was very unhappy to be left out of some big games last season, the Barcelona game, the Leipzig game. He's not surprised he's looking for a move away, but he was a bit surprised that he'd accept another backup role. But then on the flip side, Morata's record when he was at Juve back in 2014-16, one of his most productive periods. And uh, he's also got some admirers in Turin, hasn't he, Kenny? Yeah, I mean, I, I I don't think he necessarily will have a a backup role. To be honest, I mean, it's true that um, 
Pirlo, Pirlo started with uh, Krusevski and uh, Cristiano Ronaldo up front uh, at the uh, the weekend, but um, he's he said that he's you know he doesn't have one system that he's going to play with. He can play with a front three, he can play with a front two, and I think equally he can you know utilize different players within that. He he has a very I, I think the best spell of his career really was when he was at uh, Juve before they spent two seasons there and during that time he got himself 26 goals and 16 uh, assists the other thing that people were talking a lot about Edin Dzeko coming in and possibly being a better fit for Cristiano Ronaldo because you know while Suarez is what everyone knows Suarez is he's deadly and an absolute nightmare to to defend against Dzeko is a little bit more about the sort of Flicks and tricks that can open, you know, he can he can drop deep, open up space for for Ronaldo. Uh, to me, the key thing is that Pirlo has said that he absolutely wants to recover the ball quickly. That's the type of football that he wants to play, and I think you're going to get more of that out of Morata than you get out of Edin Dzeko. I think uh, in terms of that work rate, um, I think I think Morata's probably a nice balance of the two. To be honest, he he kind of offers a lot of what Suarez offers and a lot of what uh, Jacko offers. He's had a good record at Juve, and that would be a very good signing for me. What I would like to say is that uh, perhaps in a slightly uncharacteristic way for Juventus, they've gone for, they've reportedly gone for Suarez, Deco, and, and ended up signing Morata. And all three of these strikers have slightly different characteristics. You play them in slightly different ways. So it doesn't look like there was an overall vision for this uh, position as there has been in the past when they've purchased players exactly where they needed them. That might that might be the case, but uh, that there was it's also true. Well, it's also true. It's also reported that uh, part of the reason that Morata is coming back is that Pirlo actually got on the phone to him personally and outlined exactly how he would use him tactically. So while perhaps he wasn't the first choice, I think it, it seems like Pirlo is quite a pragmatic, dynamic, adaptable manager and, you know, the type that will do the best or will look to build a team that will get the best out of the players he has. And if that means that, you know, Morata is that player, then he'll slightly alter the way they approach it. And I think that's probably possibly a good thing. Sure, yeah. Interesting point that although Juventus previously and publicly or semi-publicly said that they were looking for a backup striker, with Morata coming in doesn't necessarily mean he'll be backup. So definitely take that one. Um, but just what this means for the kind of striker merry-go-round uh, the top of European football. So Morata probably now going to Juve. Looks like Suarez is then going to Atleti. So Dzeko's staying at Roma, which means they won't be signing Milic from Napoli and therefore Spurs might be signing Milic as a backup for Kane. But anyway, I kind of digress on that because the talking point really here is the week that Roma supporters have had, I think. Um, in addition to trying to sort out these striker woes, they're still in talks with United to bring back Chris Smalling, who was the kind of centre of the heart of their defence last season. So they didn't have a striker available for this game against Verona. There was a striker on the bench for them. <laughs> yeah, so Edin Dzeko was on the bench. Um, there was quite interesting to watch uh, Fonseca kind of squirm and scramble through his uh, answers when he was asked over and over by Italian TV how come he didn't play Zeko when it was clear that the player's head has been tur- had been turned or at least that there was an offer but he couldn't say that out loud so he he kind of made up a few different uh, excuses let's call them which I, I guess is respectable he didn't he didn't hang the player out to dry 
Yeah, Ken, Kenny, you um, had some sympathy for Jekko in this situation, I think. Uh, yeah, I mean, who? Who? Uh, he's a professional. He's a professional footballer. He's given a lot of service to to Roma. And if a club of the stature of Juve comes along, obviously you would be you'd be interested in it. I think the point that I would make on this is that uh, yeah, good good on Fonseca for not ha- hanging the, the player out to dry because I think his past track record has proven that if he does stay, he is a, a model professional who will still be an a extremely valuable asset to, to Roma. He's had moves fall through before to, to Inter, to, to Chelsea, and he's gone on to he's he's gone on to basically prove any any doubters who, you know, would doubt his uh uh commitment to the cause wrong. Uh, there was a report on him in the Italian press this week, basically highlighting how happy he is in Roma and how how at home he feels there. Uh, he loves the city. He is loved in the city. He he lives in an area where he's got um, a lot of his teammates very close by that he gets on with. He loves the sea. Um, so I, I I think he might be disappointed that his move to Juve has fallen through, but I have no doubts that he'll get his head down and do what he's always done. And it's completely circumstantial evidence, but um, uh, his wife tweeted Dai Roma during the game against Verona. So uh, clearly she still supports the club. So anyway, I mean, whatever we think about Dzeko, he was not realistically available to play as a striker on Saturday. Um, also, obviously, they'd signed Kambula from Verona by this point, but I think it was finalized on Thursday or something like that. So he couldn't play. Defense was a mess. And on top of that, Fonseca decides to drop the first choice goalkeeper, Paolo Lopez, for Antonio Mirante, which, you know, may be a good decision. Mirante certainly had a pretty good game by most accounts, but it seems like it was made last minute. So kind of adding to the the uncertainty around the club. And in amongst all this chaos, they actually put in a pretty decent performance. I thought they were unlucky. They they missed a lot of chances, end up drawing nil-nil. Um, but the big story here really is that due to an administrative error, um, with the registration of DOR, they ended up forfeiting the game. This has just been confirmed today. It will go down as a 3 nil. Yeah, oh my God. Like, oh my God. So I was going to say, we'll start. let's start with that. Um, let's imagine that you're Dan Friedkin. Uh, who are you, you going to fire? I mean, you've just bought this team. This has been your first week in charge of the club. I think last week I was firing Yakini, and uh, by all accounts, he started. He started pretty well, so I, I don't think that uh, anyone should be uh, calling for for heads to roll, especially when they don't know the the ins and outs of it. Uh, undoubtedly, this is a colossal, colossal, catastrophic uh, mess up. Yeah, I mean, so so the reason that he wasn't included in the match squad was that he. Qualified as one of the uh, under under 22s or 22 and unders um, last season, and someone at Roma apparently didn't notice that he, he he turned 23 a year. You know, after a year after you're 22, you turn 23, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and and uh, yeah, as a result, they just didn't bother putting him in the 25 man squad. A 25 man squad, which they still have three spare places in, so there would be absolutely no issue with fitting him into that it just seems like a massive oversight and i think to 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 add insult to to injury basically there were reports in i think it was in the gazetta today that uh that that the italian league had actually got in touch with roma they'd noticed uh they'd noticed that he wasn't in the in the squad that they'd submitted 
uh, and they apparently got in touch with them in some way by writing, presumably electronically, to say, by the way, this guy's not included. You might want to include him. And they still failed to do so. And I think they've they've basically said, Roma have said, we never received that communication. But somewhere there has been a huge, uh, a huge you know breakdown in in communications and uh yeah in foresight really it's it's i feel i feel for for roma fans because this is not a great way to start the season but what a mess up i mean if there is one silver lining is that it, it has happened in the first game of the season so um there's still a lot of games to be played as the cliche goes but obviously um the new owners will want to start ironing out these uh, little uh, cock-ups. Yeah. I mean, if they miss out on Champions League or Europa League by a single point, then... Something like that is going to happen. You know it is. <laughs> the owner yeah. will pip them by, by two points. Anyway, speaking of uh, teams in and around the uh, the Champions League places, Milan actually gone to off to a much better start this season. I think that's fair to say, Baz. So Milan in recent years have had a hot and cold uh, record on opening day. So for a start, it's quite refreshing to see them win and win quite comfortably. We have to remember that the Bologna and Milan played at the San Siro towards the tail end of last season, which was a match filled with goals. But this game had a lot more intensity. Bologna looked out to um, stick to their men in any way possible, which often meant fouling but that that game plan seemed to work until uh, Ibra jumped above everyone and headed a great goal in anyone that hasn't seen that just check it out i mean it, it's classic Ibra just getting in between the two center halves jumps higher than everyone else no chance and uh, the, the man is 39 and uh, or actually he's in 39 in 2 weeks time so i mean a lot of you often hear about young players and you're like what were you doing at 17 but i'd like to hear what people were doing when they were 39 certainly not scoring goals like that i think he referred to himself as benjamin button after the game which i mean that's ibra it's great i love it i'm so he happy he tweeted that a picture around. of his torso with the caption benjamin button on so uh... what a hero and it's got to be said that he um he missed a very good chance to score a hat trick and this is where Really, I mean, Ibrahimovic obviously gets the headlines because he scored two goals. But you have to say that uh, Milan's midfield was very impressive. Kessie uh, giving a Desai-esque performance. Hakan seeming to find all the balls, all the right passes. They didn't need any of the new boys, particularly Tonali, who uh, Pioli seems to be easing into the team slowly. But they, they kind of uh, really bossed that midfield, which was refreshing to see. And often there was some nice uh, passing interplay that, uh, again, we haven't seen at Milan for a long time. And credit goes to Pioli because he has the team playing the right way. Lastly, you have to speak about the right back and the left back. Uh, last year, Teo Hernandez was a really good uh, attacking threat. But uh, on the basis of the game against Bologna, he's also added the defensive element to his game. And on the other side, you have Calabria, who was seemingly on the way out a year ago, not even a year ago. And um, he seems to be Cafu nowadays. He's uh, running up and down the wing, winning balls. Uh, He's everywhere. He's taking shots from afar. He scored goals in preseason, and he was very close yesterday as well. So um, all around, great Milan performance. 
guys, I'm going to have to cut you short there. I, I know you love to talk about Milan, but we, we've run over for this segment and there's just so much narrative and action to get through this week. Um, so I think we have to skip on to the uh, dishonorable and honorable mentions. I'll let you, I'll let you start with Suarez. Dishonorable mention for him. So I'm going to give a dishonorable mention in the Milan game because you just cut me <laughs> off on the, on the bit. Um, if you want to be, we're going to be negative about Milan. What we can say is that the subs that came on in the second half, um, n- not leaving aside Brahim and uh, Tonali, were quite average and that if Milan are to compete to even to get in the Champions League, they're going to need to get, have better squad players. But moving on to Suarez quite quickly, um, this is the latest scandal coming out of Italy and what a country, what a league. We love it because of this. Um, Essentially, Suarez, um, he he was in Perugia recently to take an Italian exam so that he could speed up the process to get an Italian passport. And uh, allegedly, and I I hasten to say allegedly, but he was uh, fed the answers to the test beforehand and also told he passed the test before he even left the room. Overall, a bit of a fiasco, and there is some phone calls from the guy who was teaching him, or a teacher who uh, is basically saying this guy can't speak a word of Italian. I don't. He's not. He can't even put a sentence together. So dishonorable mention for that whole situation, but an honorable mention to the people on Twitter who uh, posted the inglorious bastard memes. Very funny. Kenny, <laughs> uh, uh, a dishonorable mention for Kwame. Yeah, I mean, I feel harsh giving him a dishonorable mention because he, the the dishonorable mention is that the the fact that he got himself into into great positions uh, on about five or six occasions in uh, Fiorentina's opening game, City has opening game, uh, and just could could not for the for the life of him uh, find find the target. But uh, I mean, I I will um, sort of balance that by saying that he did very very well to get into those positions just evidence that Fiorentina really really need uh really really need a, a striker that's got to be their priority number one for this transfer transfer market I, one very very quick honorable mention I'm so sorry Oscar but uh Frabotta hmm. I forgot to mention him in the Juve game this guy was supposed to be going out on loan Pirlo brought him in and uh he was he was a rock at left back okay and one more honorable mention as for Juric and then we are going to Swiftly wrap up part one. Even Urich could be heard throughout the stadium and throughout the broadcast. The irony being that even Urich was in the stands for this game and not on the bench. So he was really f-ing loud. <laughs> like someone else I know. Good stuff. So we're going to wrap up part one then. Part two, we're going to talk about uh, Napoli, Parma and noise from crowds. We'll be right back. Hello, City A fan. Make Scudetto a part of your weekly football fix. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favourite listening platform, and follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at ScudettoPod. We'd love to have you on the squad. Welcome back. In this part, we're going to be covering Napoli Palmer and the return of fans to stadiums. So, kicking off with the on-field action, Napoli proved to be a bit too much for Palmer particularly impressive performance from Osimhen Boaz, whose introduction was the catalyst for the two goals. We mentioned his performances in preseason, but his understanding of Mertens and Insigne looked truly kind of telepathic at times. How important do you think his introduction is going to be for Gattuso's squad? So some people were surprised not to see him start, but uh, Gattuso preferred to go with 
with the men that he knew from last season. Either way, Osimhen came onto the field in the 61th minute, so really he had about 29 minutes to make an impact, and my God, did he make an impact. Um, his speed alone caused Parma a lot of trouble, and uh, he really uh, revived the game. Uh, his back heel for uh, Insigne's goal was something worth picking out if you can find that uh, clip. And overall, um, as, I, as we said last week, his social media presence is excellent and his p- presence on the pitch is excellent too. And I think uh, even though he was a very expensive signing, I think we can already say that uh, it's, he's a, been a, he is a good import for Serie A and I think he's going to do very well this season. And how about on the other side, um, not so much transfer activity over the summer for Palmer? Yeah, I mean, uh, if you know how we all know the Gazeta does a roundup of all the transfers. And we were talking last week about how Cortone signed about 15 players. Well, Parma haven't signed anyone this season. Um, and it's kind of, they had a new manager, they have a new director of football, and they have a new owner. Um, but the team on the pitch hasn't changed much yet. Uh, there's still a few weeks to make some amends, but uh, it looked like the team was lacking in some places. And Kulusevsky shaped pla- uh, places. Exactly. There was a huge Kulusevsky shaped hole in their team. And uh, I'm afraid to say that uh, Bobby English up front alone is not going to make the difference. Yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> talking of the, uh, the off-field antics, um, obviously they announced their takeover since we last recorded. Um, they've been acquired by a US billionaire family, the Krauses. I think the deal reportedly valued the club at around 100 million euros. Obviously, we're still waiting on a decision or the announcement of a decision from the league on whether they'll be taking private equity investment in the media company. Um, But as we discussed before, there's kind of a lot of interest from international investors at the moment and uh, a growing need from the clubs to kind of accept some of this investment due to the pandemic amongst other things. Uh, So we're not surprised to see this, but what we were surprised by was the nature of the announcement video. Yeah. Uh, Kenny, could you talk us through it? (laughs) Yeah, so this is something that was doing the rounds on on Twitter. Um, And uh, by all accounts, it seems like uh, (laughs) Kyle Krauss uh, decided that the the optimum way to to make this announcement was by revealing to, to the world that his on it, on I think it was on his laptop. He he previously had a Juventus sticker, uh, and it's a very new sticker because it's the new new Juventus branding. So you know, last couple of last couple of seasons, and uh, the way he made this announcement was by um, by peeling off. Uh, I I would say like meticulously, but it was quite it was quite scrappily done. If we're honest, he like <laughs> he kind of <laughs> grabbed the corner like gouged at it a few times peeled off this Juventus sticker and then just slapped a Parma one in its in its place and uh, it's, it's one of the more interesting ways to announce a takeover of a club that I've ever seen certainly and uh, Kyle Krause's uh, entire social media presence throughout this weekend has been spectacular he um, seemed to be walking around uh, Parma like a kid in the candy store, taking pictures with people, fans, uh, really enjoying it. And while, I mean, it's quite easy to ridicule this kind of thing, it, I have to say that uh, it's it's quite endearing to see someone just uh, 
being mesmerized by a, a new experience. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure how creative Italian supporters are with the kind of chanting, but if this was a if this was a, a British club, you could definitely imagine your boss is a Juve fan would be kind of. Uh, I'm sure uh, Parma fans will want results on the pitch, and whether the guy had a fairly new sticker on his computer or not will make little difference. Should the club <laughs> do well? That's a yeah. good point. I mean, we got over Harry Kane being an Arsenal fan when he smashed in 20 goals a season. I mean, a bit reminiscent of a recent Tottenham signing as well. Yeah, let's not digress into English football. True. Um, but speaking of fans on the terraces, we have actually seen some in Italy. Um, I think it was a thousand, they were allowed a thousand fans per club. Not everybody acted quickly enough to kind of implement this. I think Roma, there were no fans, but at Milan. So as often happens in uh, the peninsula, the chaos reigned all over the place. Um, ultimately, uh, Emilia Romagna decided on the Saturday that they would allow games. This was on the basis that uh, a tennis tournament with 1,000 people was permitted. To, they were allowed to bring 1,000 people in for the semifinals and the finals. And therefore, um, suddenly you have fans at Parma and fans at Sassuolo, at which point the other regions said, hey, let's do this as well. Notably at San Siro, where uh, Milan allowed um, 1,000 doctors and other uh, health professionals into the stadium. Um it was a very partisan crowd, and when Milan lost the ball, you could audibly hear the the, the boos. And uh, when Milan scored, it was very audible. And the same with a couple of the other grounds. Even though it was uh, quite a small presence, you could kind of hear it. Um, but uh, again, it's just the beginning, and we, it's it's not the same without the fans. It goes without saying. And uh, I, we all long for the day when these pitches, these stadiums are packed again absolutely and um obviously kenny the news in where you are in the uk this week that the kind of the trials of having fans back in the stadium have been delayed yeah i mean how do we feel about reintroducing fans to the stadiums obviously a positive thing if it can happen um clearly needs to be done safely yeah yeah i mean of course that is that that has to be paramount obviously and i'm uh, i'm i'm not a scientist uh, i don't pretend to to be a a scientist but i think that um all of these things do have to be done on uh scientific uh, advice nonetheless you you have to ask yourself if uh Stadiums like the larger ones, like San Siro, for example, there's capacity for eighty thousand uh, supporters at San Siro. Uh, surely, there, there you can you can find a way to to have uh, a, a, at least a a, a small uh, number of of people in there, socially distanced. Um, I'm really really happy to to see it uh, because not just uh, from a from a football fan's point of view in terms of kind of uh you know getting a little bit uh, of of atmosphere uh, at the games uh, but what it represents really um the what it represents in terms of progress you know that we're finding a way to to have this new normal uh, and that you know things will eventually eventually get back to 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 where we want them want them to be i i do very quickly want to um just highlight that that the, the Atalanta Ultras were not 
particularly happy with this announcement, presumably a little bit concerned at the, um, I, I'm not sure if it's because they're, they're expecting elites to be the ones to, to, to be the lucky people to get the to get the tickets, but uh, they unveiled a, a banner outside uh, outside the the stadium the other day saying um, fans back inside the grounds, either everybody or nobody. Um, so it's still something that divides opinions. From my point of view, uh, I'm happy to see us trying to move towards some sort of normality. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's good. It's nice. And we're, oft, we're often fond of quoting Gattuso because he's a guy who doesn't uh, mince his words. And uh, he said that 1,000 fans or no fans, it's not the same. It's the same to have 1,000 fans or no fans. And football is about having the stadiums full. Yeah, strong, uh, strong opinion. But I think a lot of people would probably agree with him. Um, now, we said we weren't going to talk much more or we said we weren't going to talk any more about the Premier League but we are going to talk a bit more Buzz, because you've got an honourable mention for Under. So um, WWE fans particularly WWE fans in Leicester will be happy to know that they've signed The Undertaker except <laughs> The Undertaker they've signed is uh, Undo the 23 year old Turkish midfielder from Roma. Um, he was there for three years but I don't think he's going to be much missed by the Roma fans. Um, he was very hot and cold, but there is a, the potential for a really good player there. And maybe under in a new team, under a new manager, um, he might be able to show to bring back some of the glimpses that he showed at Roma occasionally. And while we're on transfers, uh, one more honorable mention for Atalanta, Kenny. Yeah, this was completely gratuitous honourable mention because transfer news doesn't fall under this normally for us. But I, uh, Atalanta obviously didn't play this weekend. Their their season was postponed. Uh, their start of season was postponed because of their European adventures last year. Um, but uh, yeah, they've they've brought in they've brought in uh, Lammers from from PSV. Uh, made the deal official uh, as we record. I believe it was yesterday. Um, 23-year-old who was out for much of last season with uh, injury, but by all accounts, the season before he was on loan at Heronven and had a, had a great season by the looks of it uh, on paper. 19 goals, five assists. Uh, and today they've followed that that uh, announcement up with uh, the announcement that they brought in uh, a left-back cover for, for Gozens um, in Colombian uh, Mojica. So... Uh, that's that, that's going to be that's going to be a good thing. We know obviously that Castagna went to went to Leicester City, so uh, yeah, good good to see that Gasp is uh, building building his team, and uh, I look forward to. I, I can't wait to see Atalanta in action. I really hope that they can reproduce the sort of form that they've produced over the last couple of seasons. Good stuff. Yeah, we'll look forward to seeing them in action. Um, just before we go to the last section, um, we have some questions from listeners. Um, so kicking off uh, a question for you, Buzz, uh, is Buzz single? No. <laughs> uh, Kenny, on a scale of one to ten, how evil are Juventus? <laughs> oh my goodness, you put me in the spot. We- I, I'll, I can take this, I'll take this. They're five, like every other club. They're not too evil, but not too not evil. Okay, so Kenny, which team will be this year's surprise package and why? Uh, I'm going to say... I'm. I'm- Going to go perhaps a surprise as a choice for a surprise package. I'm going to go Milan because I think Milan are not only going to be in the Champions League race, uh, I think they could, and I'm not saying they will, 
because I need to give myself a bit of wiggle room to get out of this later on. But I think they could find themselves in in and around the uh, the title race. Uh, I don't expect them to win it, but uh, I think they're going to do very very well this season. Um, they, they were they were great. Uh, towards the tail end of last season. Really, really impressed with the job Pioli's doing. Uh, that squad looks really good. We've spoken about it before. Bold. Um, who will be the young... I'll take this one, actually. Who will be the young re- revelation of uh, the season in Serie A? Probably going to take some flack for being a plastic Roma fan again, but I think Justin Cliver is not that young, but he, uh, he's he been denied a real run of games. Whenever he's come in, he's done well. I think the flack he takes is unwarranted, frankly. And maybe with the striker crisis, he'll get a run of games and uh, show us what he can do. Um, we've also got favorite Calcio player of all time, Boaz. Yeah, wow. This is a tough one. But uh, I think uh, I would say Shevchenko. Roberto Baggio. Easy. It's not a tough one. Roberto Baggio uh, was... Oh, I've already mentioned looked. for me as Batistuta. I, I, I answered, someone shared a GIF with, uh, or a video with all of Shevchenko's goals for Milan this week on Twitter. And uh, I, I wrote that it coincided with my best footballing years. So I have to say him. We, I have uh, one, just one more honorable mention that we, I forgot to mention earlier on. First of all, we were kind of unsure about Genoa because let's face it, they weren't very good last season. Um, but they started with a bang. They're the first club to score uh two goals within the first 10 minutes of an opening day since 1977. And the Mattia Desto, who was once the golden boy of Italian football for about six months, uh, scored his first goal since 2019. He's a striker, I might add. And Goran Pandev scored for the 16th season in a row in Serie A, Woof. considering he was part of that uh, legendary Jose Mourinho triplete side. To see him still scoring, and what a goal that was as well. Uh, nice, deft little chip. Uh, I, I I doff my hat to him. That's all I've got to say. Thanks very much. I'm afraid that is all that we've got time for this week. Um, all that remains for me to just urge you to please subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your audio. We'll be back next week. Um, until then, enjoy the football. <laughs> La Roma è campione d'Italia per la stagione 2000-2001. Il titolo del 2008, l'Inter è campione d'Italia, sedicesimo scudetto per la squadra della giornata. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.